back. I, I know you said you've been uh, excited yeah. about this season. And, and Everybody knows once. One more time, please. Dak, is it true to say you wouldn't afford to make who chose to kneel, even if you chose not to? One more time, please. Specifically, over this summer. One more time, please, Adjoy. Specifically, though, about Dak, can you tell us? Say again? We haven't got a chance to talk about what Boone used to get back. How much interaction did you have with I know you said you plan to bring your teammates. One more time, please. So the negotiation plan to move into the Omni. Omni? Can you get Preseason of players. Sense of how many guys? Yep. Thank you. Thank you. You've been able to stand with McCarthy since he's been there. All right. Let's go. Two more. What is it now? Was there at least initially some level of frustration with being unable to get a long-term deal, and how does that impact your outlook from a business standpoint going forward? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Business is business, and once I'm in the uh, in the locker room and part of what's going on now, I don't focus too much about the future. I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, I've been a fan of this organization and been a fan of this program for, for years. Uh, I love every bit of um, the opportunity and the platform that I get to be the quarterback here. I love this team. I'm excited about what we have uh, – what we what we can do and accomplish this year so no frustration as far as that uh once again i believe something will get done and with my hopes i believe i'll be a dallas cowboy uh for the rest of my career the only thing else i got to say is how about them cowboys how about them cowboys indeed well training camp is practice at the star cowboys nation we're gonna get a full report of what's been going on on the practice field today but first what the heck was going on with that press conference Never fails with a Cowboys State of the Union press conference, does it? We're going to break down all the audio here today. And it looks like that pass rush problem we talked about last episode might be fixed pretty soon as well. So we'll get into that. So welcome in to About Them Cowboys. Kent Garrison here, producer extraordinaire of the Athletic NFL. And I'm excited, as always, to welcome in our panel. But hey, sports are back. I know you're excited about the MLB. Things are heating up there. NBA playoffs are... Heating up, about to get started here with the Mavs and, of course, the um, Dallas Stars trying to keep things together in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. But you can get all that coverage at The Athletic, 40% off theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. Yes, that's good for one year, theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys, 40% off. Get all of John's coverage, all of Bob Sturm's amazing film coverage of the Cowboys, Saad Youssef, Tim Cato. Levi Weaver, and we got some special surprises coming for you very soon as well over there. So get on it now, theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. So now it's time to talk cowboys. He's back where he belongs. He hasn't done it in a long time. He's been waiting forever to get back to his game, to doing what he loves, which is podcasting with us, of course. He's the airflow expert of the podcast. It's Father John Machota, the machete. Hey, John. I could not be happier to record a podcast than to do this one. I actually got to watch some football earlier in the day. It was just walkthrough stuff, and we'll get into that. But uh, that press conference to kick things off, and then it followed up with Dak. Man, like 
it really feels like football season is around the corner. And I know that there are a lot of reasons to be cautiously optimistic, but today was a very good day. I'm very pumped to do this podcast. Did it feel good just driving in, like waking up, getting in your car and driving to football? You knew you were going to drive to football practice like that. Just I probably <laughs> felt like a little bit of normalcy that you haven't had in a long time. I mean, year, I guess a year at this point. Well, yeah, much. and then I took, I've taken this whole like kind of staying home to the next level where I haven't really yeah. been around anybody since March. And so this is the first time I've seen like friends <laughs> in a while, mm-hmm. like in person, you know, other than on a Zoom call or on a phone call. So yeah, I mean, we had a socially distance and we had masks on, but man, it was just good to see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while. And it was just good to, you know, kind of be outside and just, you know, watching football again. So, you know. I I hope everything works out and I hope they have a full season and um, I hope there's plenty of football to talk about because uh, it's fun and I I enjoy it more than just about anything. Was Rich out there with like an Indiana Jones whip (laughs) enforcing the social distancing for the, uh, the media? How'd that, how'd that go down? So, I mean, he was out there, but um, you know, so were Dave and Joe and Scott and yeah, I mean, where were they during the uh, Dak press conference? (laughs) There yeah, were, I'm not sure what about that. Happened there, that I know was, the uh, uh, listener just heard the audio of uh, some of that, but uh, yeah, can we get a moderator for a, our quarterbacks press conference, guys? Can we? Yeah, John, you, you should have stepped up and moderated. Come on. I I would just say I, I I follow several of these press conferences, especially the recent ones. You know, Jason Garrett doing his first Giants one, and Jason Witten doing the first one with the uh, Raiders, and it seems like everybody has like kind of a a little bit organized type, like, hey, so-and-so goes first, and, that, and then the next person, and the next person, so there isn't the yelling over each other because, frankly, when you can't see anybody, like, I enjoy, I, I don't know like about you guys, but, like, I enjoy doing this podcast even more, like, through Zoom because I can see you guys while I'm talking. When you're doing just, that's not, that wasn't like a Zoom conference call. That was just a straight conference call. It's just you looking at your phone and, and, and hoping that, like, you can get in a question before somebody else does. It's hard to do when you got, you know, 20 people plus on, on a conference call. And so, uh, you know, it's the first time we've talked to Dak in a while. So there was a lot of questions to get in there. So hopefully, uh, on his next one, cause we've had several conference calls and none of them have been to that level, but yeah, no, that was, uh, that wasn't fun. Well, we need to talk about Kevin KT Turner. Welcome back in KT. It's good to have you. Uh, I don't understand KT maybe, you know, shed some light on this. Why they don't just have socially distanced press conferences while you're there, John. What is that not a an option at all? Keep the media six feet apart and bring player yeah. to the podium and like it's far away. I don't know how how do they do how are they doing that? You know. Well, I think I think the way that they're doing it uh, right now is that they're just they'd rather do it this way because then they don't have to bring the player over to where we are. Um, it allows the players to basically just go from the field back inside and the player doesn't have to go anywhere near in that facility someplace that they haven't they don't really don't go and so i guess it's just easier to keep them almost like it's almost like they're quarantined in the building just because as you guys know just how big that facility is you know it's more than just the cowboys headquarters there there's other businesses there as well and so they're not going to let us go walk around over there by the locker room where the players are so you have to bring the players to where we are and i just don't think that they, they don't really want to walk to the players that. all the way go around the building to the podium. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
I, I'm pretty sure this is how every team's doing it. I just think that there are some teams that are uh, doing the press conference with the head coach, um, but we're not doing that either. We're doing a conference calls with Mike McCarthy as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an adjustment. It's a change, but, uh, you know, you do what you got to do. You know, whatever works as long as uh, as long as everyone's staying safe and uh, COVID free. Because I'll say this: when I was thinking about this podcast and kind of gathering some thoughts and notes and things like that, I was thinking about uh, so this is going to feel like a probably a more uh, jubilant podcast than maybe we've had over you know the course of the summer, just because there's a little more action. And I don't know about you guys, John. You know, comment based on being out at you know uh, out of practice or being there. Like, doesn't it feel like? Uh, Way more positive, maybe, about the the leak happening than maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I know I feel that way. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, um, I, I mean, I think you got to be cautious with your steps. I think you know, saying that there's going to be fans at, at the stands <laughs> in the stands like Jerry did is. Yeah, we'll get to that. Kind of, yeah, we'll get to that. That's kind of bold for right now. <laughs> but aside from that, like, I feel like yeah, I agree with you. Like, and 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 this is while. You know, there's a lot of people that are huge college football fans that are nervous that college football is not going to have its normal season. You already see the Big Ten is not going to play in the fall. And so uh, from the NFL standpoint, um, yeah, everything seems like it's heading in a good direction. Uh, the only thing that I think could change on that would be is if you have like one of these teams in training camp have like what's happened to the St. Louis Cardinals, where it just seems like they can't shake this. You know, it's, it's going from players to coaches and things like that. But as long as they're, you know, staying socially distanced in between the practices and, you know, they're staying as, as, you know, they're trying to be as homebodies as possible, whether it be at the Omni or at their, you know, homes nearby, then, you know, this thing's got a chance and at least throughout training camp before they have to start traveling. So, yeah, I mean, being out there uh, today, which is Friday when we record this, you know, for the first time, I just, it, it felt, it felt like old times. Like I said, other than the social distancing and the mask, like it just, it felt like football was right around the corner and uh, you know, you're, you're watching some highlights and, and you're, you know, kind of checking out players that you haven't seen before. And uh, yeah, just, you know, a lot of positive momentum today. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention that and then we'll get off the COVID thing and we're going to have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, play, have some audio to play for you here a little bit and talk about Everson Griffin, which I think is the, the buzz player and, and really a, a big spark of excitement for all Cowboys fans. But uh, I, I'm not a, a hard knocks truther or anything. I'm not some guy who's watched like every season of it. But seeing a little bit of that episode with the Chargers and Rams got me a little more excited for this, like the reality that this is actually going to work. Because I've I think I've had a healthy uh, dose of skepticism in my body about the league happening. But like seeing that, I was like, okay, looks at the the, the Raiders and the uh, uh, not the Raiders. I'm sorry, the Rams and the Chargers. Looks like they're doing things, you know, who knows what they're going to show you on Hard Knocks. It's all edited, but that looks pretty safe, and I can see how this would work. Obviously, it's going to be way different when they put on pads next week, but, uh, yeah, I feel way better about the NFL happening, so I'm excited, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I saw that as well, episode one of Hard Knocks. It's, it's a lot about just the, the links that these teams are going to to keep their players safe from uh, COVID-19. I'm with you, KT. I think as long as the player's there, they're going to be fine, right? I think I don't think there's going to be a lot of spreading going around. I just think you got to count on players not bringing it in to the bubble, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the bubble itself is going to be great, you know, and as long as they're at the Omni, wherever they are, kind of in that vicinity in Frisco, I think they're going to be fine. 
but you just gotta gotta keep these players out of their own Instagram DMs for one season, man. You gotta you've gotta you gotta keep yourself responsible. I'm just saying, you know that like literally the whole season depends on them making responsible decisions like that and not putting themselves and not sneaking a girl. You know, we heard about that player the other day. I don't, I don't remember what team it was. Uh, for the Seahawks. That Seahawks was awesome. Snuck a girl into the, the bubble or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, rookie hadn't even played a snap in the NFL. And yeah, I mean, the entire season hinges on players being able to handle the maturity aspect of that. And if they can do that, they're going to be fine, but I'm with you, man. I, all the masks, all the hand sanitizing, all the social distancing stuff that they pointed out on, on hard knocks. I assume the Cowboys are doing it to an insane degree. But like I said, if you come into that facility when you already have COVID-19, I don't know how, how good it does. Everything I saw around there today, man, looked like it was top notch. And then the other thing is too, is that I mentioned all those other businesses that are there. Um, the people, the people working in those businesses, you know, weren't, weren't in the building like they normally are. So yeah. I mean, like, for example, like the parking lot was completely empty. I mean, there you could have any spot you wanted. And, and even out of the reporters that were inside there and, uh, you know, photographers and things like that, like, I don't know, it wasn't even as many as you would expect at, like, an OTA, a mini camp or training camp. Like, it was, you know, it's even less there. And then there was a ton of social distancing, uh, you know, marks on the ground, things like that, marks on the ground, out on the grass so that everyone stays, you know, a certain distance, uh, hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, you know, most of us writers are usually in the same room, uh, you know, in, in like cubicles and they've spread us out over three or four different rooms just because, you know, not as many people are in the building anymore. So these other rooms are available. So, um, I guess, I guess it, it just seemed like more of a ghost town today than it normally does around there. And, and that's a good thing. Cause you want to have as, you know, as few, as few people as possible coming in and out of there. And obviously when we went in there, you know, we had a you know, uh, you know, sign some paperwork and then, you know, take, you know, get a, have a uh, temperature taken and things like that. So they're, they're, they're definitely trying. It's not just like some free for all that you just, Hey, just show up and we'll just treat it like you, we did any other year. I mean, the effort is, is certainly there. And, and I saw it from, you know, my few hours of being over there. What would you say, uh, in terms of on the field, um, a few observations that, uh, that kind of jumped out at you, John. All right. I'm not trying to, no, it's early. I, yeah, I'm not trying to oversell these two guys, but, uh, you know, offensively, you know, CeeDee Lamb's for real. Like anybody that saw him play in college knows this, which a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably have seen him play in college at least a few times. And uh, he's just a guy that, uh, you know, he's just got freak athletic ability that even though he's on a field with other guys that have freak athletic ability, his is just on another level. Like he's just, you can just see it. But it's not just it's not just one area, you know, like some guys would be like, yeah, this guy makes crazy one-handed catches all the time. Or, or this guy's just got, you know, just kind of a, a wiggle that like, it's just so hard to defend him once he gets, you know, to the second level, things like that. Like he's got everything. I don't see a weakness in his game at all. I mean, he was, he was already working with the ones in the slot and he was returning punts and, you know, he had a, he had a highlight grab. It's been a little oversold on social media just because we aren't allowed to take video and there's some pictures of it, but I mean, I, I guess, for anybody that wants to go back and look, just you know, you just go on Google, look at CD Lamb, just put in CD Lamb combine catch, and there, and he had the best catch of, of the yeah. individual drills of the combine. And it was, it's not the one he had on Friday wasn't like that, it was not to that Talking level, about the sideline one, it, right? Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things where like the catch he made in the combine, 
you know, a lot of guys could go up and get that ball, but then they immediately fall to the ground. He contorted his body, so then after he made the catch, he was able to, like, stay on his feet and stay yeah. in bounds. He just, like, it's like all these guys at this level are good, but then there's guys that just take it to another level. You know I mean? Like, me growing up in Detroit, you know, I've watched a lot of Justin Verlander, and Justin Verlander was, like, especially early in his career, was throwing 100 in the first inning, and somehow he's throwing, like, 102 in the ninth inning. Like, that's not because that guy just worked out really hard and, uh, you know, he just wants it more or, uh, you know, he, whatever. He, it's because, you know, some guys just have this ability that they're that they're born with, God-given, and some guys don't. And C.D. Lamb has that, and he is a freak show. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be a major factor for them. And I think he'd be a major factor on any team, even if he was stepping in on a team that really didn't have a number one receiver and they needed something from him right away. But the fact he's going to step in with these guys and Gallup and Amari Cooper— Man, he he looked real. He looked special, and on defense, it was certainly Alden Smith. Uh, just you didn't know what to expect. Haven't seen this guy in a Cowboys uniform. NFL fans haven't seen him on a field since 2015, and he just looked. He looked smooth. He he looked quick. He was he, he was with working with the ones at right defensive end, and he just uh, at one point Dak went to go throw in the flat, and he jumped up and batted it, and, and almost picked it off too. And again, they're not in shoulder pads and, and full pads. It was just helmets, and you know shorts and, and t-shirts and that but man uh the athleticism's there I, I can see i'm not sitting here saying that he's gonna be a right defensive end uh you know this season and, and, and he's gonna be the starter and he's never coming off the field but the fact of and we'll talk about everson griffin you, you possibly are going to have demarcus lawrence on one end and then whoever is performing the best out of alden smith and everson griffin on the other uh this should be a, a pretty damn good pass rush so uh, I was really interested to see what Alden Smith was going to do, and and he didn't disappoint. Uh, you know, he was one of those guys that if I didn't know who he was, I didn't know who his number was. I thought I was just a you know a new guy on the team, an undrafted rookie free agent. It, he still would have caught my eye today. Well, let's stay on this because I think the Everson Griffin signing from a couple of days ago is probably the biggest Cowboys news of the week and really the month, even um, aside from camp getting started and you know Jerry's comments, and we'll have that for you here in a little bit as well. But Everson Griffin, I mean, to me, when we were talking about this, not only on the last podcast, but it feels like all summer long, the the real desire for the Cowboys to approach him or, or Jadavion Clowney hey, comes to hey, mind. Gates, hey, yeah. you know what I kept thinking about when they got him is how we were doing this podcast and we were talking about him, and I called him to Neil Hunter at first. And when I was talking about like free agent ones, and you correct me, you're like, yeah, I sometimes do that too. And I think like, hey, he was he was on the purple team and whatever like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I kept thinking about that because I mean we had talked about this multiple times, you know. Yeah, no, you, and I man, I did that. I'm guilty of like color associating <laughs> uh, teams. I'm like, oh yeah, they, he went to college at Stanford. No Rutgers, red team. Yeah, I knew it was a red team. <laughs> I knew it was one of the red teams. But like, uh, to me, this deal at three million dollars, and obviously, pro- hopefully, it's closer to six million because that means the incentives played out. To me, this is the type of deal that you win front office of the year type awards for. And you see what they did with Robert Quinn last year, and that was that was excellent. It was an excellent front office move, and Robert Quinn moves on. But to get Griffin who has been really, really good. The only question mark you have about him is the 2018 situation where, you know, he left the team for a while to really uh, be hospitalized for mental health issues and had a couple seedy stories. Um, But, you know, look, that's a couple years ago. I I think the number one thing I I like to think about, uh, and sometimes I do this when I'm watching a football game, like if it's a fourth and one, should you go for it? I immediately go, what does the other team think? 
Does the other team want us to go for it, or do they want us to go ahead and just kick the field goal? Well, what do you think the Seahawks and the Vikings think right now when the Cowboys swoop in and make that signing? I mean, I I just love looking at it that way and thinking, man, the other teams are going, holy cow, look what the Cowboys got. And when you can bump Randy Gregory down a peg and Allison Smith down a peg and bump the expectations of Dorrance Armstrong down a peg, I, I just think that was such a huge move. And again, you got to wait and see how healthy he is and all that stuff. Uh, wait till he gets to camp. But my goodness, that is the steal of the year. I couldn't believe that. That that's what it was that it cost to, to get him. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, when that happened, I'm trying to dissect. You know, it, here's another thing. Let we've talked about this on this podcast before, and it and it bears repeating here. Um, like the, like baseball, there's plenty of times where like you hear a rumor and then it happens like football and particularly with the Cowboys like that really does, it's not how it goes down like if that was mm-hmm. how it went down Earl Thomas or Jamal Adams would be on this team uh nobody heard anything about Robert Quinn until it happened I mean they Stephen had talked earlier in the day on Wednesday when they had that press conference about how they were all set and how this he felt as good about this roster as he had in five or ten years and then they go out and get Everson Griffin like they're just like, it just isn't one of those things. Like, I mean, the Amari Cooper trade, like, where did that come from? Like, yeah. so, so the, I, I give Will McClay and the guys in front of his props for, like, keeping this stuff under wraps because it really doesn't leak out, whether it be the local media or the national media. Um, the other thing I was thinking about was I was like, well, why would he pick here of all places? And so the thing that kept coming back to me, two different things. One is that George Edwards is here. as He's a new member of the staff as a, as a special defensive assistant, and he had been – you know, Griffin's D coordinator for the last six years. So there's a guy there that there's continuity. Then I was thinking that there's Mike McCarthy, who's obviously gone coached against Everson Griffin many a time. So he knows how he is on Sundays, you know? So you got him, you got, you got those two guys together. And then the third thing was, I was like, I bet you how they sold this to him was, Hey, you might be, maybe there's a little bit more money with this team. Maybe there's a little bit more here, but we're, let's just talk to you about Robert Quinn real quick. Okay. Robert Quinn plays in this defense. He goes, gets five years, 70 million. It's not like Robert Quinn was 24. Okay. Yeah. So you're an older guy in your, in your career. If you just sit here and do the right things, we got this guy at left end. Uh, teams really worry about him. They do a lot to try and shut him down. Then we brought in Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy as well. So you might just be able to pin your ears back and eat over here. And it really doesn't matter what else you do. If you get, you know, double-digit sacks like Robert Quinn did, you will get paid next year too. So I, I understand that as a selling feature too, what what makes it intriguing, because I had heard that Everson Griffin wanted to go with a chance to win a Super Bowl. Well, you can say that about the Cowboys. You can say it about Minnesota. You can say it about Seattle. So all those teams make sense. So it just kept, it kept coming back to me, like, why would he pick here of all places? And so I was thinking, well, maybe Minnesota, he was like, it's just time for a change. I mean, he was signed through 2022 before this past year, and he opted out of that deal. So he obviously wanted to hit free agency. So maybe he didn't love Minnesota as much as, or maybe he was just ready to move on. And then so it comes down to Seattle and then Dallas. And, you know, maybe maybe that was just that they sold him on, hey, you're the missing piece. We have this, you know, loaded offense. We got a, we got a great pass rusher on the opposite side. Uh, we got some good linebackers behind you. Like, come here and, and join us, and, and we can make this thing happen. And then you're going to make a lot of money next March. And, I would think that a lot of that was part of the the pitch to him. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, the Cowboys, where they finished last year would have been way worse without Robert Quinn. I thought Robert Quinn 
had that big of an impact on the team. I, I just think there were so many ga- times we'd come to the podcast after a game and go, holy cow, where would they be without Robert Quinn? He made so many key plays. And to add someone like Everson Griffin and not play that game of, is Alden Smith going to be there? If he is, great. But if not, and not play that game of, is Randy Gregory going to get reinstated? And not play that game of, well, Tyron Crawford, you know, we still have him. Like, no, just add to it. And the fact that it's that cheap, I mean, this is the bargain of a lifetime uh, at $3 million. And then obviously, as I said earlier, it could get up to $6 million. I just find that to be a truly fantastic signing. He's a very good run player, and we saw a lot of times. Well, hold on, last real quick. Year. I want to ask you yeah. about that because yeah. our secondary teams that we probably follow the most outside the Cowboys are for you, the Packers, and me, the Lions. So we've seen Everson Griffin a lot, and I'm not going to sit here and say like I just poured over tape. Like after they signed him, I went and watched like three or four games, but I just went to like really his sacks, and that was in the playoff game, and then three or four other games during the season. So I'm not going to say that like I dissected his tape last year or anything. But from what I remember in games that I've seen of him is I remember him being a little bit better run defender than what Robert Quinn was. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I absolutely agree with that. A, a lot better run defender than Robert Quinn, I would say. Um, and I, again, I you know my family's Packer fans, so I've followed the Packers for a long time. And you know, it was to the point. There was a lot of years. Obviously, we've talked about Daniel Hunter, but you know, a lot of those years over the last decade, you think of Jared Allen, and Jared Allen had some years with the Bears as well. But you're not been Everson Griffin was a terror against the Packers. And, uh, you know, the team's coached by Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, ironically or not. But, like, that was the guy you were, you feared was Everson Griffin. Um, and, again, the, the 2018 uh, situation, which is a little – is a, you know, it's a – I don't know. I don't even want to say it's like a red flag. Maybe there's a little concern – you know, to a guy who who left and some of the, the stories there, but, you know, he, by all intents and purposes, he got through it and was seen as a good guy. And you you brought up the George Edwards angle. Like, one, one thing George Edwards is probably not going to do is be like, hey, hold on. I got a guy. He's really good. You know, didn't really get along with him very well. You know, uh, you know he's kind of a problem. You know, George Edwards is probably like, yeah, we should probably bring him in. And... You know, for the Cowboys to sneak in and make the play, I, I just, I, 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 the Robert Quinn thing too. I, Robert Quinn to me was not a bad run player, but there were times in games where you would see him try to get a little aggressive in his move because he was so quick off the line and getting outside the tackle. You know, Everson Griffin is going to take on a left tackle and push him around and throw him to the side and go make a tackle. Like he can play that style. He can play that. You know, if you wanted him to play either side, you could probably ask him to do that. He'll play right defensive end, but like he's got the he's a stronger player than Robert Quinn. Maybe not as quick, but he's a stronger player than Robert Quinn, and he's a very powerful player at times. So I think I think Everson Griffin he's just such a clear clear upgrade over whatever your question mark was at that position too, Matt. We were we were we were legitimately talking about, and you mentioned he had a you know he looks good right now. Legitimately talking about guys who haven't played since 2015 and Alden Smith and Randy Gregory, who's we know the story there. Like that's, or maybe a guy who's had double hip surgery. Like the options were not clear. I mean, we, we talked about man. It's, I really hope Dorrance Armstrong has a good camp and is able to like. We talked about that a few weeks ago because they need that dude. They filled it. I mean, I, I can't believe it. You throw in everything that they've done to the defense with, you know, Ha Ha Clinton Dix is not exciting, but he's, 
you, you did something, you know, to go make those moves. I'm just really excited. To me, that's such a game-changing move. And I always, I already thought the Cowboys were the best team in the in the East going forward. Just looking at it, just laying it on the line, looking at the rosters, looking at things. I'm sitting there going, okay, I think the Cowboys are the best team in the East. I think it's Cowboys and Eagles by far for probably one more year, maybe two more years. We'll see, you know, depending on how the quarterback situations play out in New York and Washington. And now I immediately go, okay, it's the Cowboys. It's the Eagles are there, but it's the Cowboys. Such a huge, how do you think the Eagles feel about that? Ah, crap. Well, the Cowboys just got way better. I mean, I've, dude, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Huge sign. Two, two things that stood out to me about Everson Griffin. One is, especially off of watching last year's, uh, some of his tape is, <laughs> it reminded me of watching Taco Charlton in practice would always try these spin moves. And why they look good, they never really worked. Well, when you watch Everson Griffin, he does the spin move, but it works. Like his spin move is nasty. Um, the, the other thing is too, is that Minnesota would line him up like real wide, like really get him outside so he could use his athleticism against, you know, some of these, uh, some of these offensive tackles. And that was interesting to me too, as a guy that, you know, he's in his thirties now, like, but he still looked real athletic. And the other thing is, is that you talk about the off the field things and that everything I've read about him is that the teammates loved him and people can say, Oh, of course they're going to say that now. Why would they say anything bad about him? Okay, well, when I'm watching this tape, I'm, I, you know, and I see these pictures of him, I, if he's a bad dude or, or he's, you know, a questionable guy or whatever, I don't understand why he's got that C on his chest and, and all the and everything I've seen of him. Like they clearly like him enough to make him a captain. So, uh, all very interesting. And then one last thing was that just the fact of going through uh, some old transcripts from the combine. It certainly seemed like at that time, you know, back in February that. Mike Zimmer was still sold on him. He still thought that, you know, they were going to have a chance to have him back. He, I mean, he played his entire career in Minnesota. Why would he leave now? You know? Yeah. And, and, and I think that he thought, yeah, I mean, it'll come down to money to a certain extent, but in the end, you know, he probably just doesn't, he doesn't want to do all the off season stuff. He wants to be here, you know, when the season's about to start and we'll sign him then. And here we go. Like, I don't, I never got the sense that Mike Zimmer was like, well, he just wants to test the waters and maybe he'll sign somewhere. Like, I think he felt pretty confident that Everson Griffin was coming back. I don't think this was one of those things where we were like, yeah, you know, we appreciate everything he did, but it was just, it was just good for both sides to just part ways and go in their own direction. Like I didn't get that feeling at all. Yeah. And who knows what type of relationship that he had with, with Tyron, you know, so they're in school around the same time. Uh, who knows, you know, uh, Tyron's a pretty quiet guy, but you know, they, maybe, maybe they're friends. Uh, everything that I had read and, you know, just kind of start digging through things. And obviously, uh, you've written a couple articles about him and Bob wrote an article today on the athletic. So like, there's a lot of Everson Griffin content up at the athletic, but just, you dig around and you kind of go, also, he's a guy who wants to win and takes it seriously. And just kind of feels like 2018. And we've seen this a lot with NFL players, you know, they do just kind of have these little, you know, breakdowns that temporarily kind of shut down your life a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be real sensitive to someone who's going through uh, any type of mental issues, you know, and, and that's what it was. I don't even have to talk about the specifics of those stories. Um, but, you know, you hear, you read those stories and they were alarming. I remember talking about those when those stories happened a couple of years ago. Kind of going, man, what's going but on? But even with that said, KT, and I don't want to sound, I know this might come off as insensitive, but even if you had serious concerns about that stuff at one year, <laughs> max out $6 million. Yeah. I'm pretty much sure that's pretty much wor- worth the risk. When you think of what the deal was on that one year deal to Greg Hardy, 
And oh, exactly. There's it's nothing a- over here that's on the level of Greg Hardy. So even if you had some concerns off the field, one year, $6 million, and that's at the max, I, I still see why you would take a chance there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you uh, if you can't tell, uh, we're all excited about having Everson Griffin uh, join the Cowboys. Before we move on and go over some of this press conference audio, KT, I want to tell our listeners about a special offer from Fubo TV. I know a lot of you out there don't know what you're going to do when the football season gets here, how you're going to watch it. Maybe you cancel your cable because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe you've canceled your streaming service because they just don't have the channels that you want anymore. Well, with the NFL season right around the corner, Fubo TV will not disappoint. You can stay updated on all your favorite teams with local broadcasts and news. Don't worry, NFL Red Zone is available as an add-on as well. With just the standard plan, you can watch on two screens at once, or if you get the family plan, three screens at once. Plus, you get 30 hours of DVR, and 50 bucks a month is way cheaper than most other cable providers. But you can save 50% at fubo.tv athletic. That's Fubo, F-U-B-O, dot TV, slash athletic. Get 15% off your first month. That's right. Stream the NFL this coming season with Fubo, dot TV, slash athletic. Get 15% off your first month. I know I'm going to do it, and you should do it too. Thanks, Fubo. Our producer, Kent Garrison, has gone through and found the best nuggets of audio from the Cowboys State of the Team address and the Dak Prescott um, press conference. I know I had some really immediate thoughts and I really haven't changed my thoughts. It was amazing to see before we start playing some of this audio, it was amazing to see how the whole world reacted quickly to what Jerry said. And then by like 24 hours later, everyone was like, Oh wait, wait, I understand what Jerry was saying. And I, I don't know if I agree with a lot of people kind of changing the way they thought about what Jerry said immediately. Uh, but we'll play some what of he said that. About we'll what? Just overall. Well, well, just in general, the starting of the press conference with the six-minute commercial and how this stadium is fit for fans. Oh, by the hey. way, it was he started with the monologue, but I timed it. Don't worry, it was twelve minutes five seconds. It was, okay, uh, a twelve-minute five-minute <laughs> yeah. commercial. Yeah, uh, it's basically saying, "Hey, fans in the stadium." By the way, should we all start there? Sixteen games. Let's do that. Yes. Yes, All right, we we'll start with Jerry. We've got Dak audio to get to, but I think it, it, Jerry did talk first, so it gives a little more context when Dak talks because that's the way it happened in real time. So you kind of teased it there, KT. For some reason, Jerry seems to think that there's something different about about this stadium. There's something <laughs> special about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just went through all your list here. And um, the thing you have, the thing you have last, Ken, is so funny. But sorry, go on. Uh, we'll get we'll get there. There's there's a lot of cuts here, but um, stick around, folks. There's a lot of good stuff here. I'll I'll let this one speak for itself, and then we can react afterwards. I guess. Okay. All right. So this a lot of stuff happens here, and we got a lot to break down. But here we go. The point is, uh, very unique times. It's a time when you look and get to evaluate where you might have some frailties in any given area. But it's a time where you realize that there's some very positive things uh, about, let's say, facilities or about stadium. Uh, For instance, in my case, I'm reminded that when we opened that stadium, uh, that it was pointed out that if you didn't open the doors at the right time and had the roof open in a certain way, that you had an air current through there uh, that pretty is uh, uh, pretty impressive, if you will. Uh, Hold on. A pretty impressive air current through there. That sounds like a salesman, folks. Has Jerry ever been to a... uh, 
um, I don't know, what, what are they called? Outdoor stadium? <laughs> where, where it's windy all the time? Well, no, like, oh, this no, no, is no, like hold a hold special thing? Where... No, no, no. I could see it be, I think I could see it being a little bit different inside of theirs because in an outdoor stadium, there would be nothing to keep it in. And they don't have a real outdoor, I mean, you know, they can pull that roof back a little bit, but it still has a, a top a little on wind tunnel. Yeah, like I gotcha. could see getting getting trapped in there. I just don't know that I see it as this could be <laughs> really special. This could this could be something that sucks out COVID nineteen. Like I don't but, know if you no, want to put we'll that get, we'll get there. He's not done yet. Jerry's not done. <laughs> a serious serious air current. Well, actually, it turns out that our stadium, who has uh, one of the largest capacities in the world. Uh, our stadium that has over three million square feet and can air condition all of it. Our sta- it sounds like he likes to brag about uh, things being, you know, big, huge, great, nice. Copy points. Sounds like I, somebody uh, familiar. I agree with you on the talking. It, it sounded like talking points for sure. Uh, and there's no question that they are, that this was very planned out. I mean, he hasn't talked to us <laughs> since the end of the draft, so he's had plenty of time to prepare his notes. I will say... He's right about that. Like their concourses are crazy wide. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that people criticize about that scene. Yeah. They're like, I just don't like it because it's not not intimate enough. I feel like I'm in a mall because it is so spacious compared to most stadiums. So I'll give him that. I and I I don't disagree with the fact that this stadium might be in better position to hold fans than other stadiums. I disagree with him even going to talk about fans right now attending games. Let's just wait a little bit longer. Let's well, just get the we'll get league too, going Casey. safely first. We'll get yeah. there, too. We'll get there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we throw on the first cut. Here we go. also has quite a naturally built uh, airflow that can be very positive relative to protecting and be safe for our fans. Uh, now, that's not all of it, but when we uh, finish showing our fans what and how and what we can do to make it safe to come to the ball games, I'm really proud that we've got that stadium to work with. Um, okay, so I guess he's not familiar with the, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, air, you know, COVID is airborne, you know, science out there i guess you know like a, yeah. to, to me doesn't that make it worse if you're in the uh, 400 section and here in the 100s and then the airflow comes and picks up some covid and throws it around <laughs> to the other side of the stadium i don't know if that's worse or better or i don't know it seems to think you know, that they've done some research there though but, but to me it, it goes to the whole thing of like i mean I, it, it, I know, I know you may have some more. I don't want to, I don't want to jump on something. That no, you we, we got more, but uh, yeah, keep going. Like, we got time. He's right. When he started talking about suites and kind of being pods where you can separate people because the stadium's so big, you can separate people. To me, I'm just like, why are we glossing over the fact that the whole idea is to keep these people away from these players? Like that is all this is about keeping these players secluded. Right. And then bring in fans. It's just like, dude, it's just way early for that, man. Can we just start the league all oh, healthy first? That's an interesting No point. fans for the first month. No fans for the first month. If I'm NFL, shut that crap down. No fans for the first month. We can get your money. I know it sucks, man. I know there's stadium workers who count on these games. I understand all that. And I'm look, I feel for all that, but your your operation that you're trying to do that Jerry is a part of, his eyes should be on the bigger prize. Not getting fans in on their first home game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really that worried about the players just because 
I don't think that even with them having fans in the stands, they're going to be anywhere close to the field. Like I just, I don't think you're going to be anywhere in proximity and, and not that really AT&T stadium, even on the sidelines, you're just not that, I don't know. It's just, it's such a wide stadium. So I don't see anybody sitting in any of the first, you know, who knows, 10, 15 rows, whatever it is. Like, I don't know that the players will be as much as risk as it just, I just keep thinking of it from the standpoint of like, if you have this Cowboys games and nobody else is really having fans in the stands. And then there's just this, massive amount of people that get it and they can trace they trace it back to like yeah uh you know these five thousand people got it they were all at the cowboys game last sunday like that looks so terrible you know because how are you going to do the spacing how are you going to keep people away from each other walking in people are obviously going to be yelling and screaming whether they have a mask on or not how many people are going to be taking their masks off and things like that and then you know not not properly distancing and things like there's just so many other there's a there's a chance he could he could sell a jersey Right, you know, I, I like that. he he, he <laughs> he's run the numbers on this. He's like, yeah. all right, it's either we we shut this thing down and I lose five hundred million, or we have fifty percent capacity. We take some PR hit and I lose two hundred million. I'd rather lose two hundred million than five hundred. So let's do the other. Like that's that's the simple as the the decision making process is. It's like, what can we legally get away with? Okay, let's do that. Oh, you the know? money the money isn't the only thing. He mentioned it. He, he mentioned. Uh, no, no, no. Sure, yeah. and it's and I will say it's the majority. But don't rule out him and his ability to want this to be like, hey, look at what the Dallas Cowboys oh, did. Oh, 100%. We can have fans in the stands. We played all of our games. You know, you know, especially when other teams aren't doing that. I feel like that's the type of stuff that pushes Jerry to want to do it even more. Oh, I've got a cut that kind of is on this exact same subject, um, and. You know, I've always said Jerry's number one thing is is public perception. What do the fans think? Will the fans come to the games? That all decisions about this team are are predicated as if it's you know a public uh, corporation or you know a publicly traded company. So uh, here we go is another clip kind of in that in that vein. The number one number one asset that the Dallas Cowboys have is the grand following and fans that we have in this country. Um, I would think, Jerry, the number one asset that the Dallas Cowboys have is the football team. That's what I would, you know, I would, uh, I would try to take the, uh, the pride in the on-field product as being the number one asset, you know. Like, to me, that's where it starts is, is the talent. Uh, You've heard me say many times that only 7% of our fans in the NFL, seven, have ever been to an NFL stadium. Our fans are all across this country via television in many, many ways. The number one viewing team entity in all of television is your Dallas Cowboys. Somebody bragging about their ratings sounds familiar as a... I ain't got no problem with that, dude. Show those ratings off if you got them, buddy. Yeah. But VI, VI threw me off a little bit uh, instead of VIA. But, you know, here's the thing I would say. And I, I swear to God, Jerry makes it easy to be cynical and I'm not being that guy because I really try to uh, try to kind of play both sides. I'm not really super hot take guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, when I hear crap like that, I go, well, then why does it cost so much to park? And go into the game. Then I get exactly. it. Exactly. Money. Yeah. If you care about the fans, why? And that's what you care about the most. The most are you maybe screwing us over prices. on twelve dollar uh, Jerry Margs? 
you know, <laughs> like they, like they take like whatever you want to say about it with the Falcons at their stadium, like they do try to take care of their fans. Like it's not even talked about enough. Great point. Like they do, and like again, at the end of the day, you got to make the money. I totally understand all that stuff, but don't BS me with that stuff. But again, I don't I hate Jerry Ford. He's doing his job. It's whole takeaway the whole thing. Jerry was never going to go in that press conference and give us a lot of great stuff. He was going to go in there and spread positivity. We knew that going in. Yep. Here we go. I've spent 30 years with the opportunity, having uh, not work, but having more fun every day, maximizing the platform of the Dallas Cowboys. Somebody looks the other way. I said, whoa, whoa, come on back over here and look at the Cowboys. <laughs> we believe that. That is uh, that's that is no true. why. That's no why. Uh, here's another cut about letting people into the stadium. We'll uh, adhere to all protocols, and uh, uh, we will be uh, uh, we will adapt them to uh, the uniqueness of our stadium, and uh, that that is uh, that's within the protocol. And uh, we have a, a real unique situation, and I think that we're going to be able to uh, uh, really have a great experience. Uh, uh, I think that our okay. Pause there. Uh, the. Capacity, I guess, in Texas right now is 50%. Yeah. Have you ever been to a Cowboys preseason game, John, at at like even 80% capacity? It's it's pretty barren in there. Yeah, sure. Like even with 50,000 people in that stadium, it's going to feel super empty. So for Jerry to sell this great experience, quote unquote, I think it's going to be about as, I don't know, it, it, to me, I would if I'm going to come to a Cowboys game ever, I'm waiting until there's can be a full stadium, full experience. You know, you like, can't. I don't, yeah, I'm not you, putting myself in a not getting the full experience of a full stadium, full crowd, cheerleaders, whatever. You know, is going to be eliminated, and the possibility of getting COVID nineteen, then uh, for the opportunity to I guess go to a game. I don't know, but that's you, and you can't assume that you speak for the majority of the population of football fans because. I can see a lot of people looking at it as I want to be one of the people that got to go to one of these games, especially when nobody else is having any games and don't underestimate opposing teams fans who they're not having any games, but Hey, we can go fly down to Texas and we can go see our team play against the Cowboys. And yeah, the stadium is going to be full. Maybe there's only 20,000 people in there, but I'm going to be one of those 20,000 people. Don't underestimate that. Cause these you know, tickets, I, if, if they're one of the only teams, these tickets are going to be crazy expensive on StubHub. And highly in demand, absolutely. Now, I thought it's interesting that uh, Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all announced that they will be having their first home games at 25%. I guess, and this is just an opinion, so I don't want to make anyone mad or anything. My opinion is that Roger Goodell, for the just for the purposes of the greater good of the entire league, is that Roger Goodell should go, look, for September, no fans in these stadiums. We're going to do the virtual thing. We're going to do graphics like it's working in these other sports. We're going to do that for the first month just to be safe. And if we can get some fans in in October, great. But that's where I stand on that. You start talking about week one or week two and having 50% capacity up to that much, sure feels like the Cowboys are going to be one of the teams that try to fill up their stadium as much as they can, you know, more than anyone else. And there's going to be other teams who are like, no, 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 no. We've seen the Redskins. I'm sorry, Washington football team. Sorry, Habit. Habit. Jeez, KT. Defensive. Habit. I'm sorry. Um, the Philadelphia did that as well, I believe. Uh, no fans for the first couple games. Like it's not it's not a bad thing to say that to push it back a little bit. 
we're kicking the can down the road on some other topics, aren't we? Why can't we do it on this one? Jerry has said, you know, he's listened to both perspectives. He's listened to people who don't think it's the right timing and all that. Um, I'll get to a cut where he specifically addresses that. But, like, to me, like, in his mind, he arrived at the conclusion, ultimately, that we need to have live football played in front of fans. Like, to, to him, that was the best decision for all parties and um we'll get we'll get to why uh here in a second but there's the end i'm gonna finish this off because it's kind of important what he says here but safety precautions that we're doing uh uh won't be unfamiliar to a lot of people when we look at the general protocol of the country or we look at how uh, you get together numbers of people uh we will have our challenges uh the people that will be there uh, will be there at their own volition, just as the players that are on this field out here for the Cowboys are here because they have chosen to be here. Our fans will be in the stadium because they have chosen to be there. I am completely confident that if I've ever seen a general population have had a uh, information of where the issues are, where the vulnerabilities are, uh, how to conduct yourself, uh, the do-right rule relative to the person but with you and beside you and uh, that you do or know or don't know. I'm confident that we've got a very educated situation and that our fans can come and have a safe experience at our stadium. He's confident that we're smart enough to to mind our neighbor, to not to practice social distancing is basically what he said. We're smart enough to handle it on our own and come on in you guys will be fine because we're smart enough you know i don't has he been out there has he seen what's the 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 trader joe's blow-ups and all that's going on and and that's what i was gonna say this is where we cut to a video of fans in the stands fighting each other because one one guy doesn't want to wear masks and then the other i'm drinking a beer of course i'm not gonna wear a mask when i'm trying to drink yeah all this stuff yeah I, I, mean, I, I also liked how like he, every year. Right. I also I also like how he said the fans would be there because they want to be there. I, I I don't know. There's it's anything's possible, but like how many people have gone to NFL games and didn't want to be there? Like ah, getting drug here again. Don't really want to be at this game. A lot game. of rich like, Dallas kids. That's the case. Uh, you know. Well, all my, don't go. go. To the game. In my uh, experience, like half the media people, and that's about yeah. it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you're not in that half, I don't think, John. No, no, no. But, I know what you're saying. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot there's of some complainers. Really, really bitch about having a job in sports sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I've, I've noticed I'm a little like, bit. Are of that. you really bitching about this job that everyone wants? Okay. To me, this is the this is the quote of the of the press conference, and to me, this this left me scratching my head the most. And I was just like, "This is classic Jerry." It's a, it's like almost like he's trying to hypnotize us with something here. So um, here we go. You're talking to a biased person regarding what football does. You take most things away from me if you say it's not important. John Madden and I, after a ball game where he was the commentator, went to his room and uh, about uh, 15, 20 years ago, and we were sitting there, and I was feeling good. We'd gotten a win, and I said, John, am I just completely blown out of proportion? Uh, is this as big a deal as I've got it blown up to be? And, of course, John said, Jerry, it's as big a deal. Our country really is and does place football, whether it's misplaced or not, at a very high level. 
Consequently, to answer your question, it is important. I think it is important individually, but I think it is important uh, in the country. I know the debate going on. I can easily see how X percent of the people would be for uh, it's just not worth the kinds of effort, risk, whatever that's going to go on. I believe it is. Uh, The NFL can. uh, He believes it's worth what risk? The risk he's taking is different than the risk a lot of people are taking there. You know what I'm saying? It's a different, uh, it's a different decision process when you're the owner of the team, I guess. But um. be a exciting. Uh, when I say exciting, it can be an inspirational part of how we address COVID. Not only the remainder of this year, but as we go into 21. What does he think football is an ins- is going to? inspire people to beat covid no i think what he's saying is it helps take their mind away from things like that when it's needed during a time when there's not a lot of other things going on and and especially the the fact that you know you're not going to have college football you're going to have college football but it's not going to be the same uh high school football who knows how that's going to go it seems like a lot of uh you know there's a lot of sports that are going to be they're supposed to be in the fall that are already getting moved to the spring and so i think for a lot of people they look at it as it kind of brings back some normalcy in their life if there is, you know, football on on Sundays uh, and as an entertainment thing. Because the big thing with Jerry is that, you know, he's so he's so pleased with what they did during the draft because obviously the draft has happened right in the middle of when this COVID finally like, first took off and it, it became, you know, a huge deal, not just, you know, here all across the world. And everything else was shutting down and they were able to do this virtual draft and it got these crazy great ratings. And because of that, he looked at it as a respite. His, he, he said many a times that it was a way to kind of take your mind away from, you know, I mean, because I mean, I'm, I, this is the thing. I'm like KT. I'm not this hot take guy where I just, I, I play things. A lot of times I feel like a lot of things are right down the middle because I can relate myself. I was a guy staying at home. I, I don't know that you can quarantine more than I've quarantined since March. Like, I don't think that you can. But I also, on the same time, will tell you, I haven't been happier in the last five months than when I went out to that practice today because it was like to actually do something instead of just being in my place, like it beats you down. Like it, it I mean, you have anxiety, depression, things like that. You get sick of looking at the same walls in your place. You get sick of the same Zoom calls, talking to the same people on the phone. Like you want to actually do some stuff. So I can see, I can see both sides of it. No, he's totally right about football being uh, a great escape and a great inspiration for beating COVID. But I, I know that's why I think we were talking about this in March and April and May, and being like, yeah, man, uh, or really June, I think, is when it really got real. Like, oh crap, football might be in question here. But like. You know, you can't speak for everyone. As many football fans and Cowboys fans as there are, you can't, like, all A, you can't just make the virus go away, and B, you can't control uh, an amount of, a number of people, especially when your state has been pretty loose about, you know, restrictions for the most part. I mean, we kind of shut it down early, and then everything's been pretty much open. I don't know. I get the feeling of, like, okay, let's just kind of ride this out. It's a part of our life now. Let's get through it. And I think that's what the NFL is looking at it. COVID's a part of our life now. We're going to have the draft a different way. We pulled it off. We're going to have football a different way. We're going to pull it off with the full confidence. And you know, I think I think it's easy to get – if you get caught up in what's going on with college football, 
you just go, okay, well, that is a number of different problems besides the pandemic. With football this year, it is strictly the pandemic. That is their issue. And, you know, the social issues uh, are a thing, but that's something they dealt with when, when politics was brought into sports a few years ago and, and things like that. That's a whole different thing. Their big issue is just beating the pandemic and not having a single outbreak. That is it. Can we not have one outbreak on a team? And if we do, can we get around it? And I think they feel like they can. I don't know what their contingency plan is. If they have a Marlins of the NFL, looking at you, Dolphins. Um, but if they have that team do that, like, I don't think they, I don't, I don't know what their plan is, but I assume they have something. But that's, that's their big battle. Otherwise, this works. Like, we're seeing it work with baseball despite two teams having. We're seeing this non-bubble thing work. This this could actually work. So Jerry's not wrong in some of what he's saying there. And in that John Madden thing that he said about them talking to each other, it's like, obviously John Madden's going to say football is a big deal. I mean, football is, I don't know if there's many yeah. people that football is a bigger deal than to John Madden. So obviously he's going to say that. But at the same time, I also feel that the NFL is America's sport right now. Like there was a time during our parents when they were our age or younger that like baseball was America's pastime. Well, those days are gone. Like America looks towards the NFL. Like that's the number one sport in this country. And so because of that, I I, I just look at like, you know, like you look back in the fifties and sixties when, when baseball was like that. And then obviously before that as well, like, you know, it like people look towards it probably even more than they did other things in their life that were probably more important because it was just such a big deal. I mean, you just see these pictures of people that gathered around radios to just listen to games together and things like that. Well, that's kind of how football is now. Like people, like it's such a big deal to so many people. And and I mean, even if you're not passionate about a, a particular team with fantasy and now that people are gambling on this stuff more than ever before, at least legally, um, I just, I look at it as it's, it's like, it's one of the big businesses in this country. And I think Jerry looks at it as like, we can kind of be the face of, of how we can kind of get through this. I just feel like you got to do it, you know, as, as safe as possible. And it, and it needs to be about the safety. <laughs> yeah. That, the, that's know, what I'm, that's, that's exactly what I mean. I, I just, if the whole point of this is to get through the pandemic, why are we inviting 50,000 fans into the stadium to <laughs> right. watch the game? That that defies logic of keep a keep our players in the safest position uh, to compete in the COVID environment, you know. B, keep our fans safe. C, keep our employees safe, right? And you know, to me, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, you don't let 50,000 fans in your stadium. <laughs> or you don't put your fans in harm's way yeah. when it comes to uh, you know, I, to, to me, you're, if you're Jerry Jones, what number you would you have feel comfortable to, at to to not to not play it that way? And if and if and if you know what would make me feel good as a fan, and I'm speaking for me, is if Jerry was like, "I love our fans. Our fans are our number one, like you said, priority. I, <laughs> my number one asset. No, oh, I would say priority. Asset was the wrong word. Asset is way too much of a financial term, uh, Jerry. There, that's I wouldn't even say priority. Our fans are our number one priority. In fact, they're so much our priority that we won't let them in the stadium because we want them to stay home, and so we can beat COVID nineteen, and so that next year they can come with a hundred thousand people in the stadium, and we can get back to normal. You know, like that's it. They should have asked everybody to stay home and do their part and finish this instead of now. Like we're gonna. It's going to create such like I'm not even talking about us talking about this because 
you know, we're going to cover the team or whatever happens with the team will cover. But I'm talking about like national news, like the next day after the, after week one, it's going to be like the Cowboys put 50. It's going to be like this. The first thing on today's show, it's going to be like this huge thing almost for no reason. Other than Do you really Jerry think they're going to put 50,000 in there though. If it's 50% capacity, They'll put fifty thousand people in there, and they'll their be in suites. Their capacity is not a hundred thousand. Their capacity is their like capacity is hundred, like a hundred thousand, and they could fit one hundred and ten something in there if they really, really want to. Yeah, they're here. not going to do that. If when you read over the email that they sent out about putting people, uh, the distancing and things that they're going to have to do in the stadium with separating where people sit and things like that, there's no way that they're going to be able to do fifty thousand. Um, but maybe they do twenty, maybe they do thirty. I don't know. What is there a number you guys would feel comfortable with? Right now, media, <laughs> yeah, media no, and right players. Now, no. um, like I, I think to your point earlier about the way the NBA and NHL and I mean, just speaking for myself, yeah, I've still enjoyed watching these games on TV. I don't think it's taken away from the. I think the players are still focused on the task at hand. I don't think like not having fans there affects anything. To be honest with you, except like. Yeah, you're not going to have the concessions or the jersey sales or the people that have those experiences of attending that game or what have you. But, well, you know, at the end of the day, the, you're making your money off of TV, then we need to make sure that the Cowboys are on TV every week, you know? Let baseball have fans in first and see how it goes. Like, yeah, why, yeah. There's, there's just, there's absolutely no reason for you to be. I don't want to be the, the guinea pig here. Yeah. There's no reason for you to be the lab rat here. Yes, you're the right, king. Right. You're the number one franchise in the world. Let someone else be your lab rat. It's but how do you know stubborn. that he's not hearing from a lot of his season ticket holders that want to be there and are finally taking canceled. the risk? I think they've canceled season tickets for the year. I don't think they Right, but I'm saying season ticket holders because those are the people that have yeah, – yeah, I'm not saying they get season tickets. I'm saying the season ticket uh-huh. holders will be the people that get the first shot at buying the individual tickets. And I'm sure yeah. he's heard from a lot of those people saying that you better let us go to these games, Jerry. Like, And I'm not talking about – you know. <laughs> Joe that lives on the corner. I'm talking about high dollar, like oh, I'm sure. owner type people that have told him, yeah, Jerry, we want to be at these games. Like we want to be, and, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just trying to give you the other perspective of what he's probably dealing with, where he's probably heard from a lot of people that want to be there and with everything that's going on on top of it, you know? Yeah. You hear, Absolutely. you hear from the CDC on one area and, you know, ultimately we said earlier that Jerry made a decision, you know, and trust me, John, Jerry, takes a lot of credence in things that people with money say, especially people that pay him lots of money. And so ultimately the decision was, was made of bring it on, you know, and we'll see. Yeah. But Hey, I am optimistic to be quite honest with you. I, I you know if it works, if, if they go through, uh, you know, an entire NFL season and no fans come out of their, with any kind of issues and no players get COVID, then great. Then you know what? I'll be the first one to come on this podcast at the end of the season and say, gosh, Jerry, what a pioneer. You did it. You were the first one to, to beat this, to figure it out, to get us back to normal. You, you know, right when a classic Jerry story, right? It'll be another classic. Just when everybody doubted Jerry, he came through. Right. Um, and so we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, the quarterback also <laughs> hey. talked. Uh, hey, hold well. on, real quick. Yeah. What if, uh, what if someone was like, uh, after that press conference is over? So, like, so Jerry, you're gonna be at every game? No, I'm not gonna be every. Day. There's a <laughs> pandemic going on. Are you crazy? Yeah, I'm gonna be on the freaking Bravo Eugenia, bro. <laughs> Watching this talking in about 4K. That's an idiotic question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh gosh. Um, 
I bet Jerry will be there for sure. But it's going to be weird to have not Jerry doing his pregame, like shake hands with all the fans and hamming it up, Jerry stuff. You know, that's going to be different. But we yeah. we shall see. Um, I don't know if this was supposed to be on there, but um, it was on there. I don't know if they didn't know if they were on the air or what. But this is uh, Jerry, Mike McCarthy, and Stephen Jones uh, kicking off their their thing. I don't well. Let me know if you guys know what they're they're saying here. But uh, Mike, Stephen, do you Hello, have me? How you there? doing, pops? Hey, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I feel like we just got out of the last meeting we had. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I just came. I just came on. Night. I just came right on down here. Been here ever since. <laughs> <laughs> is is that a joke or is it? Funny to walk down the stairs? I don't know. Well, you, you did say you liked it up there. That's for sure. <laughs> God, just guys being dudes, man. Just just kicking. I don't know what that was about or what, what the joke was, but apparently, uh, you know, it's one of those things I bet when you're around Jerry, even when you're Steven, when you're his son, it's like, just laugh at him. Just whatever he says, just humor him. Just make him feel good about himself. He's controlling things, you know. Like yeah, you're you're great, Mister Mister uh, President. Yeah, of I'm course. still you know, getting the like, team, man. Just humor I, the guy. As long as I'm right? still getting the team, we're good. Exactly. Just make sure you don't give it to Charlotte. Give it to me. <laughs> well, um, Dak Prescott was asked about his contract. Of course, you heard that uh, that cut in the open here. But he was also asked about whether or not he was thinking about opting out this season with all that's going on. Uh, never crossed my mind. Uh, football has always been my safe haven. Uh, it's always been a place for me to find peace, especially with everything that's happened in my life uh, personally, um, especially in the place that this world is in. I think that football is a safe haven and it's peace for a lot of people. So uh, it never crossed my mind to opt out and to not be here with the guys and to not be where I love to be doing uh, what I've been blessed to do. And uh, obviously there's some concerns, but um, for me, it's just about being as safe as I can, following the guidelines of, um, that, the, that the team and the NFL have laid out for us uh, to not put yourself in jeopardy of contracting this, uh, this COVID thing. And so for me, it's just about doing exactly as I said, just trying to stay healthy. I'm not, not much of a going out guy anyway, so uh, it's, it's been pretty easy for me for the most part. Yeah, um, John, you can speak to this, I'm sure, but... You know, with all that's happened in Dak's life, you know, going all the way back to Mississippi State, even in high school, you know, things happen in his life, as, you know, off the field, and then he's able to go back on the field. You know, we heard a story in the Dak documentary that I did from from Dan Mullen talking about when Dak's mother passed, like, he played that weekend in Mississippi State, and for Mississippi State, and, you know, the coach was like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, he's like, yeah, my mom would would have beat my butt if I, you know, wasn't out there and, you know, he's definitely found that that football field has been his safe haven, um, away from the field. And, you know, you add up not only the contract this year, but his brother passing away and everything. I don't think there was any chance Dak Prescott was going to opt out. Um, you know, I'm surprised the question was even asked to be honest. Yeah. I, I feel like most of the guys have not just with the Cowboys, but other teams have been asked that just because players have opted out. And so they just want to get other people's just kind of a way of, um, kind of picking a guy's brain on what his thought process was, you know, was, was it even a consideration? Um, and I think that was the goal of, of that question there, but yeah, it's, it's crazy how much he's been through at such a young age and had to deal with obviously already the loss of his mother. And then he lost his, uh, one of his older brothers, uh, in April, right around the time of the draft. And this, this 
particular conference call. It's the first time we got to talk to him since then. And uh, yeah, it's just, it just, I mean, I feel like to a certain extent, stuff that Dak's gone through up to this point in his life, like most people shouldn't have to go through that in their entire life living into like their eighties, you know, and he handles it with like such maturity, you know, like uh, it's crazy. Like, and, and, and throughout this entire conference call, like he was, there were so many different things that he was asked about beyond just football. And it just like, he doesn't really even flinch. Like he always has like an answer to, uh, yeah, he is perfect. I hate that. I just said, didn't even flinch. It made me think of Jason Garrett and the way he would always say that. Anyways, I don't know. I got to get these out of my head, but anyway, uh, yeah, just like so polished with, with the way he responds to these things and with like well thought out answers. So I know you have some other clips here, but yeah, uh, very impressive, uh, press conference. We got him to talk. I think we talked to him for about almost 30 minutes yeah it's fantastic and here he is asked about the act of kneeling uh in the anthem this upcoming season is it fair to say you would support teammates who chose to kneel even if you chose not to yeah 100 percent. i mean that's what this country is about right is that we all have that choice uh, and i think that's the greatest part about this country is that we all have that choice we have the choice to do uh to do as we please whether to kneel to believe in this religion that religion to come from this background and still make it uh come from this um economic deal or or, or um be burdened by the oppression and still overcome it obviously i mean so obviously i mean i i, I support life and i support the good in people um and i think as i said that's why i always carry faith in everything that i do so yeah I mean, 100%, I'll support anybody's personal opinion. Perfect answer. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. And this is where, I guess, throughout the whole day of all that happening, and again, look, I know everyone's kind of got their own belief on on this, this thing, but I was disappointed and still disappointed that Jerry didn't have a more concrete answer when he was pushed on that. This is the number one thing that bothered me about the thing, and I know a lot of people were fine and thought Jerry handled it well. But when Jerry kept saying, hey, we're going to use grace. And to me, Jerry was kicking it down the road. Jerry didn't want to start a wildfire by having a hot anthem take. I, I totally understand that. Um, and I, it's kind of his job to make sure there's some, he, he didn't set a wildfire this time on this topic. But for him to be as gone as long as he was, for him to have players, front of, new players, free agent acquisitions, you know, be like, well, it'd be nice if Jerry would talk, you know, things like that. I would have liked for him to say, well, we'll meet and we'll talk to our players, but if any of our players, you know, want to kneel, we'll we'll support that. I wanted him to do that. Now, he did say things to kind of cover his tracks by saying, hey, what happened in 2018 was in 2018. We're worried about now. And I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say, give him the chance to talk to his players. But I would have liked, me personally, would have liked Jerry to have a more concrete answer on that and the answer to be yes, we support the basic bill of rights freedom, you know, to like peacefully protest something Yeah, like, like it's not to me, it's just not that difficult of a lesson in humanity that, Hey, she's, it's a, it's a basic, I mean, I know everyone, the, the, I guess what I'm saying is, and maybe Jerry can't go into some deep thing on play, his players being oppressed. Maybe he has to be vague about it and say, I've got the back of my players. But he did go deep into what the flag meant to him and how he knows people who have, you know, died in the war and have fought for our country. He did go deep into that side of it. He didn't go deep into the other side of it. And maybe you got to have that life experience to go deep into that other side of it. So, I mean, Jerry was kind of put in an impossible position, 
But to me personally, I didn't like that we had grace written down on a note card and we're going to use grace and we're going to say that we're going to use grace about 20 times and eventually these questions will stop if I say that we're going to use grace all day. I just thought that was – I thought it was kind of lame, to to be honest. That's just kind of a scapegoat. 17 times in five minutes. You've had months, man. Look, you know how your players feel. Maybe not all of them. But, man – I, I saw the, I saw the interview. I don't know if y'all saw this. Um, it was an interview that Aaron Rodgers did with Kyle Brand of the NFL Network. And Aaron Rodgers was like, I mean, really, to solve all of it, we should probably just get rid of the anthem like it was 20 years ago when the anthem wasn't played before games. <laughs> hey, there you go. No anthem. I was like, holy cow. Wow. Because I remember playing and, you know, the anthem not being played. You know, we'd still be in the locker room. Well, there we go. How about that? How about the players aren't in the field for the anthem? Or how about they don't have I'm, the I'm anthem? Not re- so I'm that... not reducing the anthem by well, saying that. I, I will say, I though, will. there will I'll still be people. The I don't need it every Sunday. I don't need even, it every game. Like, come on. Even if even if after, like, okay, so they get rid of the anthem. and then But what happens is that after every touchdown, the guys get together and do something, and it's for whatever. It could be Black Lives Matter. It could be something else. It's still, there's still going to be people that are pissed off about that. Like, it'll, it'll just move on to the next thing. I don't know that that just completely like fixes the problem like there's still gonna be people that are gonna go on twitter and say i'll never watch again if those guys do that in the end zone you know and you'd be like who cares like so i don't know that that completely solves the problem i've heard many people say that and that's been said over the last few years but i I don't know i just feel like everything's so divided and 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 i just feel like so because of that it'll be whatever the littlest thing is somebody will point to and be like if they keep doing that on, on the field or they do this before the game or after the game. I'm not watching the NFL or, or whatever sport it is or whatever. And it's just like you're just never going to make everybody happy. So, well, And anyone who's like wanting uh, – I guess I'd say like Jerry Jones is one of a few of these guys who are owners in the league and even Roger Goodell. Like they are the first people in the world who know how big their sport is, how much of a following they have. If there's anyone – who can stand to lose some people and be okay? Oh, I'm not gonna watch, and they leave. You'll be fine. Right. You have you have the world. You maybe have it. Maybe you're worth you five point six billion dollars instead of five point seven. Let me throw out a <laughs> real wild possibility here, and I'm not saying this is the case. I'd have no way of proving this. I don't know if people in Jerry Jones's family would even have a way of proving this. But what if Jerry thought? that he could lose it all still. And the reason why I say that is because... Like, no, I mean, like, lose, like, the brand of them being on the level where they are now where they're just so far ahead of everybody. What if he thinks in his mind, just because he's always been a guy that's been this businessman, he's always chasing something, what if he believes, though, like, we sit here and we're like, yeah, Jerry, who cares? Like, the Cowboys are still going to be the Cowboys. But what if in his mind he thinks, like, no, if if I make a wrong decision here and a wrong decision here, everything could just fall apart and we could just... You know, I could lose almost everything I have. Well, if that's even though it's not reality, like there are people that like literally like think like that. Like I've, I mean, uh, for example, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but like I had heard something wild like that. Like Jay Leno has never spent any money that he's made off of the Tonight Show because he he always wanted to keep that to the side and just wanted to spend the money that he made off of stand up gigs. Yeah, in case he lost everything. This is like years and years after he had the Tonight Show. You're like. What are you going to lose, Jay? Like, your your wealth is just so beyond that. But in people's minds and people that are, for lack of a better word, I mean, are just have been really successful in life, 
you can't you don't know how like a person thinks like to him and and certainly by his actions Jerry Jones does seem like he worries about stuff like that when there is no reason it seems like he at his age he could easily sit back and the only time we see him is up in his suite watching Cowboys games this guy is still chasing money he's still making deals yeah. he talks about recently how he's making more deals now than he ever has in his life like he's still hungry like I think he legitimately worries about the littlest like Oh, uh, if we lose these people, like we lose this sponsor, then, then you know, well, we got to do something else. We got to get this back. When we're sitting here, like, who cares? Go get somebody else. Then it's the Cowboys. You'll be fine. Like, I don't know that he thinks that way. He should. No, no, he I, should I, think I, that it's way. a really good point. I think that's a really, really good point. It's the side of it I haven't thought about because I don't. Because at first I was kind of like, well, if he if he didn't want to take a wrong turn, then maybe he should have kept his mouth shut in 2018 when he got involved yeah, in all that. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if your whole goal is to not piss people off, then why are you letting fans in your stadium during a pandemic and not supporting people <laughs> protesting the anthem? You know, <laughs> like to me, the both yeah. both of those issues are a clear opportunity to. Uh, be on the right side of, of things, of an issue, and for people to be like, gosh, man, Jerry, the, man, he did it the right way. God, you know, I hate, uh, man, you know, he did he did the right way. I gotta, gotta admit it, you know, and, um, you know, maybe at the end of the day, that's what'll happen at the end of the year, but uh, right but now, he's a guy, it's not. He's a guy who thinks what they did on Monday Night Football in Arizona in 2018 was a good thing. He thinks they did something that was, that unified and mm-hmm. honestly, the whole world sat there and watched that and went, this is a freaking joke. I don't know if he thinks, I think he thought at the time that was a good idea. I don't know that he still thinks that to this day. He brought it up the other day, though. I, I, I mean, I think if you have if you have something that you realize, oh, that was a bad move, you don't bring it up, right? Like he talked about it. Here, I, I have the cut. Let's just play it. Here we go. Everybody in this country knows where I stand and where the Cowboys stand when it comes to the flag. Millions of people that represents so much of what's in the past in their lives, whether it's losing loved ones or whether it be uh, an immigrant that came over to America and made his way and fought and fought and fought and created a life we're here today. So we all understand and everybody understands where I stand with the flag. But everybody also understands where I stand on backing our players, the Dallas Cowboy players. Two years ago, when this was a focal point issue at the time, standing or kneeling, our players, we all came together and we had many on that team that were thinking about one way and many, many others that were thinking about another way. And I asked them to look at it from the standpoint of not only team, but look at it from the standpoint of the uniqueness of what we can do with the Dallas Cowboys. And consequently, I'm so proud of how our players address that at the time. That was then, and that's how we reacted then. The key word about your question, David, is a word called grace. Grace. That was then, two years ago. This is now. This is where I'd go there because (laughs) Jerry makes everything so complicated sometimes. He said, everyone knows where I stand on backing my players. I know exactly where he stands on backing his players when it comes to being a Dallas Cowboy and playing football. I do not know where he stands when it comes to his players wanting to protest oppression and racial injustice 
and that stuff. I do. Yeah, and I know where he stands, and, and it, he said, I, I everyone, think knows, the other way. everyone knows where I stand, and it's firmly against protesting. But the thing is, he's maybe admitting to himself and to the media and everyone there saying, you know what, it's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It doesn't matter. I'm not the ultimate decision maker here. It's about us as a collective, the Cowboys organization, right? Um, you know, and he said earlier in the press conference, uh, you know, everyone knows how I feel about the anthem and how the Dallas Cowboys organization feels about the anthem. Like he's lumping his own stance on this, this anthem kneeling thing to the entire team by saying, this is how the Cowboys feel about it. It's like, no, I guarantee well, go you, you go pull the locker room and see how they feel about it. You know, go pull yeah, them. Go That's Justin how they Durant. feel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I kind of see both sides of it, but you know, Jerry's digging himself into a hole here. It seems like with this thing, with his players and, Oh man, I don't, I don't know I, what there was nothing. I, was I think there needs to be a himself in a hole. It, it, yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, it seems like he's, he's, um, putting this in like a individual case by case basis kind of thing. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to talk to our players. And if that one player in his heart of hearts really thinks this way and convinces me that here's why I want to stand because of my brother was killed this, you know, then I can have grace with that situation. But he can't yeah, that's just, what he meant. yeah, but he can't just say, uh, Hey guys, um, you know, in a team meeting, Hey, uh, just so you know, anyone that wants to kneel, we support you. We love you. Um, we understand your right to do so. Um, and that's, and that, that be it. You know, it's like, he has to choose. He, say in there he, he hasn't met with the team yet. Up yes. to this point. He, he, said he it was needs to happen, do that. He, said he, he needs yet. to make it where everybody who wants to kneel can feel welcome to kneel and not make it like a, yeah, you can kneel, go talk to Jerry though and get his permission and yeah. make sure it's okay. So you don't get docked money or, or talk shit, you know, at the, at the combine when you're a free agent next year or whatever it is, you know, um, he needs to have a blanket statement for his team on how we feel about the anthem. This is what we're going to do. And, um, that's it, you know, and, and kind of leave it at that, I think, and let, and move on from it. Yeah. I want to be real clear though. Like I'm not, I don't think Jerry did anything wrong or anything. I'm not shaming Jerry. I just disagree with how Jerry handled things the other Mm -hmm. day. But Jerry once said had this quote. He said, "I have a high tolerance for ambiguity," which tells you I like I could live in the gray areas here. I'm fine. I can live in the gray areas. He should have came out. It wouldn't have been that hard to go, man. You know, seeing what's transpired over the last year, you know, we've all had to stop and educate ourselves and and you know really listen, you know, to other people. Use those buzzwords. Get through it. Even you know, you're Jerry Jones, man. Like. He, I, just, I, I don't think it had to be this difficult. It didn't have to be this difficult. The easy thing, the thing that he could have, he wasn't a bad position. I, I give you that. But the way to dig himself out of that position, personally, especially after being gone all summer, to me would have just been to go like, we're going to talk to our players, and if our players want to do it, well, I'm going to listen to them. I've taken some time to better myself educate myself and we're doing that as an organization we're all going to be better when it comes to these subjects you know it ain't that you hard know, you know what this thing made me think of uh this whole conversation is uh and i haven't heard anybody talk about this and it just dawned on me is so you know jerry's known for always talking outside the locker room well that's not going to happen this year 
And I was just thinking about like if a player kneels, like one of the first things that everybody would be doing is just swarming Jerry after the game. Like, what did you think? What did you think about that? And it would be just, a, you know, a beating because everybody would be just flocking over there. And and just take yourself away from this issue right here. Jerry's been talking after games like that for a while. So because no media is going to be able to mirror him, are they about to make him available on a conference call after every game? Like, are we going to get McCarthy, then Jerry? No, you'll hear, uh, and then you'll hear him on, like, the fan the next morning doing his radio show. That'll be the only quotes you get from him, I bet, after a game. I wouldn't think. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't think they're putting. If you've ever stood outside that locker room when he really wants oh, to I talk. Know, I know, but I don't think PR, like, and, PR and here's doesn't the other put thing. him out there. He goes out there by himself. I'm saying PR is right. not going to put so him on Zoom. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, it won't be Zoom. He could say, I want to talk to all the writers right now. Mm-hmm. Nobody's more media friendly than Jerry. I will I will bet every dollar I have right now he talks after games. It might not be every, it might not be every game. But we will get Jerry on conference calls after games. He wants to talk too much after games. You want to like, bet feels... right now that what J- Jerry will talk after game after week one that night? I don't know about week. One. I mean, I I have to know how the game goes. Oh, okay, I think it depends how hot the, the right burners he, there's uh, gonna burning be on it's, on which issue because there are some things like he wants to talk about. Some what he players doesn't. we're going to get, yeah. and if he really wants to talk after a game, he will be on one of those conference calls because there are definitely some games every year where he comes out. So hot, and it, it it lasts the entire time that locker room's open. There's no way he's just going to bite his tongue and then leave the stadium. He is going to want to talk to reporters. There's no question about it. I agree, unless there is a buildup on these topics that we're just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we I got- mean, I just those you know, those difficult topics that you know. There's a key. Quite- there's a key. There's a key drop from here that that it's not part of what we have here, but. That I took to, I, I thought he was being completely honest when he said this, but during one of those answers, he said that he had rabbit ears, and he does yeah. because he knows everything that's been said about him and his silence. You can sit there and think that, oh, Jerry's over on the Bravo Eugenia up in Alaska. He doesn't know what's going on right Listening now. Listening to about he, the Cowboys, and the he Bravo knows Eugenia. exactly what's going on. And so, if when those games are going on, if that's what everyone's talking about, believe me, I'm not saying it's going to be after every game. Jerry will find a way to talk to the media more than just his radio conference calls. He used to call in anything on that. He called in multiple times. To I, our and show I know I would, I would be driving, it's listening amazing. to your show, KT, and he would be calling in on, on just like a random thing that like Ben would say, like you know, I think Stevens a little bit more in charge now than than you know Jerry is, and it's not even it wasn't even anything aggressive, and it's just like Rosie, call him up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he said he only he chimes in, in when he knows, like when they when the media says something that's just blatantly wrong, and he has to correct right. them. <laughs> Right. And he gets pissed off. He's like, that ain't right. Steven's not making any calls. You know? Yeah. Well, he's done himself no favors in terms of the media interpreting what he's saying based on what he did the other day by not being real clear about what direction this team is going to go when it comes to that sensitive topic. Because, I mean, look, it ain't like every other team's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. But some of these teams, you just know how they handle it. They're okay with it. You know? You and one, know one thing I want to add, especially because you brought that up. I need to add this to all of it. That everything, every all the clips that Kent just played right here, this was over an hour press conference, okay? Jerry, Stephen, McCarthy, all different rooms. Jerry was sitting. Stephen was sitting. Mike McCarthy was standing at a podium. We had just talked to him a couple days before. So only like maybe three or four questions are for him. He stood that entire time and had to listen to all of this. How different is that than what he just Cowboys, experienced in Mike? Green Bay? <laughs> Welcome to the Cowboys, Mike. 
Yeah, gosh, he is a uh, seems to be in the camp of right there in the. I'll do anything you say, Jerry. Whatever you whatever you need. Oh, by the way, except red jerseys for the quarterbacks, which is hilarious because we always used to ask Jason about that, Garrett, and he would say he would like smile and like like shake his head no and be like, "That's just that's just the way we've done it around here." Like what? As if I don't have the authority to do it. <laughs> like it's always been that way, so that's the way we do it. Like I'm not going to go up to Jerry's office and say, "Hey, I want I want red jerseys. Day that, one. That'll be one of the. That'll McCarthy be one of the red jerseys. But, yeah, that'll be one of the differences I've already noticed for them that first practice. Like a lot of people say that you know they embrace that whole thing of not wearing red jerseys because the Cowboys had never done that before, not even during Tom Landry's time. Um, I, I just get the sense from Mike McCarthy it's only one practice and it's only been a handful of interviews and things that I've noticed over the last six months. But I, I see him going against some of the trends of past Dallas Cowboys things mm-hmm. that. You know, Jason, you know, was a player that played under Jimmy. You know, I, there are even stories I've heard of things that Bill Parcells wanted to do to embrace what the Cowboys have done in the past. I don't know that necessarily Mike McCarthy is going to be 100% all in on, on all of those things. Have you seen Mike the a- uh, weird sayings around the star, John? Like, I have not. Like, no. fight, fight, fight. No jumping, and there, team to and there team was no jumping team. jacks. There were no jumping jacks to start practice. No target today. practice uh, there with was, Dak afterward, anything like there that? There was no... There was no bouncing around from, excuse me, position group to position Which, group. Which uh, U2 album was blaring on the uh, on nope. the sound system as you walked out to practice, though? Was it the Joshua nope, Tree? No music. Or, oh. No music. Yeah, no music. Wow. There were music played a little bit in between sessions of when they were moving to other areas. And, uh, yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't – there was a lot of differences, just little things that you could very – it's very obvious that Mike McCarthy wants to do things his way. Mike McCarthy's a my way guy. There's no doubt about that. I always like that where you said Jason, though, did the whole, we've always done it that way right here. Hey, we've always run out our uh, uh, back injured quarterback who's a veteran in a preseason game without our left starting left tackle. We've always just, you know, we play him, you know, and then he breaks his back and that causes the dilemma of a century, the Dak Romo thing. Like, we've always let, maybe don't let the guy play. He's got a bad back and Tyron's not playing. I don't understand. You're the head coach. You let that happen. Tony shouldn't have tried to that, run. Though. Fate let that happen, KT. Fate. It's a long time ago. Sorry. Fire it up. This is a good podcast. You're killing it today. It is. We got, we got, we got one get? one more cut here. And I would say the first 20 minutes of Dak's, Dak's press conference was about his contract, about Black Lives Matter, about the uh, anthem, about COVID-19, about his brother dying. Um, a lot about, about a lot him, of about him about donating. him donating money and uh, so I, we'll start there. That's about, the, that's the context. about him writing a letter uh, about a, a gentleman who is imprisoned right now that hmm. um, is on I believe on death row. Uh, so yeah, that's no, the context. a lot of topics. Yeah. So here we go. Obviously, to be able to touch and to be able to speak and be able to inspire so many different people uh, with my voice that I think it's important and sometimes I feel obligated to do so. Uh, When I was reached out from a group, Scott Budnick uh, and some other guys uh, about the case of uh, Julius Jones and educated myself, um, there was just so much wrong within that, Um, so much wrong within his conviction, so much wrong with his trial um, that I simply felt, uh, as I said, obligated to do something about it and to write a letter. Uh, and try to make some change with that. Is it okay to talk about football? <laughs> Brad. So let me just note, let me just note that up to that point, 
Never once <laughs> sorry. Did, was there given an impression that Dak didn't want to talk about the things he was talking about. Right. You know, a lot <laughs> of people say things about. A lot of people say things about. You know, oh, Jerry hasn't talked since after the draft. Dak hasn't talked since doing uh, interviews before the, when he went down to the Super Bowl, like the Radio Row type stuff, where you, you know, you do a bunch of interviews like those couple days in the days leading up to the Super Bowl, like. And a lot's happened. A lot's changed. Like we haven't heard from him. You know, he, you know, he didn't get the new contract that everybody thought for certain he was going to get by July fifteenth. There was just there was a lot of stuff to talk about that was more important than the actual football. So you know, I really I'm one of these type of people that like I, if I if it's going too far down one direction, like it is kind of annoying, and I'll kind of like roll my eyes at it. But at the same time, I was like, he doesn't seem like he doesn't want to talk about this stuff. One, two. He was absolutely killing it. All of his answers were great, well thought out. There was nothing scripted about it. He was speaking from the heart about a lot of interesting things. I don't know. I I, I didn't have any problem with him continuing to talk about the things he was talking about. Brad was I bored. Said, yeah, Brad was like, it, uh, talk about the freaking new slot receiver instead. I know those things have a flow, but it's like even if you do go to football, we can still go back to the other things too, though, right? Like. Like, yeah, but if you got a guy in a good line. run, if you guy if you have a guy in yeah. a good run that you're interviewing, you want to stay on topic instead of asking a, a couple funny questions or asking a couple questions about you know, uh, you know, let's say a player on the team or something like that. You kind of want to stay in that rhythm because maybe the player's giving a deeper thought or whoever you're interviewing is 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 giving a deeper thought and might want to talk a little bit more on that topic, you know. But I don't know, like you can kind of tell when a guy wants to kind of get away from. You know, like if we were just, you know, hitting them with 10, you know, anthem questions or something like that, I totally get it. But like no part of that interview did I get the impression that he was like, man, I I hope someone asked a football question because I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. You know how you know that happens? Because the guy starts giving you really short answers. Like like after like these are done, we transcribe all of them, like, uh, you know, groups of us that, you know, cover the team. And and all those answers were very lengthy, very well thought out. I mean, Dak Prescott is a public relations dream on the way he speaks and, and, and how eloquent he is and how he can handle just, I mean, there's really no topic that he can't talk about. So um, I understand helping a guy out, but I just don't think that he really needed it there. And that's why John, you're the journalist of this podcast though. You know how those things go. I'm not a journalist. You are a journalist, sir, a journalist. <laughs> you're doing great work at the athletic. Uh, make sure that you're following John, checking out his articles, uh, throughout the week, tons of Cowboys content for you at the Athletic. Can't thank you so much for cutting up all this audio. Lots of good, yeah, it was good. hard work there. Hopefully, we get some more uh, more quotes from Jerry throughout the season. Don't know how it's going to be this year, but we'll uh, we'll see. Well, we'll have it if it happens. If, of course, you know anything crazy happens. Um, also, uh, check out uh, Bob Sturm. Just wrote a good piece on Everson Griffin as well. Make sure you're following his work at the Athletic. Um, stars in the playoffs, Mavs in the playoffs, Rangers hanging in there, staying alive. Look at this! All of a sudden, DFW Sports—we got a little action here. So this is pretty good. If you go, uh, if you're not a subscriber yet, go to uh, theathletic.com/slash about them cowboys, where you can get forty percent off uh, if you're a first-time subscriber as well. Um, and also follow us on Twitter, if you will. 
Uh, it's at Kent Garrison, at John Machota. That's J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. And I'm at KT Fun Tweets on Twitter as well. We'll blast out a, uh, a link to the podcast. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling people who are listening to the podcast that we will blast out a link to the podcast. That's just horrible. Um, but everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll have more Cowboys stuff for you as we move on. Next time we talk, they'll be in pads. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll see uh, who's uh, laying the big hits. Uh, for Kit Garrison, for John Mishota, I'm KT. We'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys.